Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Life is sure I want to live it well. One life, one story to tell. Life is sure I want to live it well. And you're the one I'm living for. It's a phrase that stirs images of everything culture deems a success. The good life speaks to financial abundance, an epic career, and being celebrated and respected by those around us. Derwin Gray, by any reasonable standard, was living the good life. For five years, he played in the National Football League, but he discovered something that genuinely shocked him. Having all the dreams he'd ever dreamed about where his dedication would take him come true didn't fill his heart. He had it all, but he didn't have happiness, and he didn't have peace. The story of how he got there, what came next, and his brand new message coming June the 2nd, The Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness today on the road. Derwin, welcome aboard, good sir. Is it proving to be a pleasant day for you so far, good man? You know what? It is It is a pretty good day today. I am uh, I'm laying down. My cat is taking a nap right next to, to me, oh. and I get to talk about Jesus and how awesome he is. So, yeah, man, it's a, it's a pretty good day today. <laughs> well, it's so great to have you here, uh, Derwin. And the good life is such a great term to start all this with because – it really captures this whole American ideal of happiness and success. But you point to the recent World Happiness Report showing Americans are unhappier than ever compared to other countries. We're all chasing happiness, but it seems we can't find it. What are we doing wrong, sir? I think what's happened is the things that we have been, the, the things that are created to be used, we worship and the one who created us, we try to use instead of worship him. And so it's, it's like we are chasing after happiness in, you know, hey, if I get the right wife, if, if, if I get the right husband, if, if things go my way, if things work out, uh, we think we're going to be happy. And there's moments of fleeting happiness, but I'm talking about something that Jesus is offering that is so much better than fleeting moments of euphoric feelings. I'm talking about the God kind of happiness. And what I mean by, by that is in the Beatitudes, Jesus opens up with eight different characteristics of a blessed or happy life. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes down these various characteristics. That word blessed in the Greek language is makros. And it literally means happy. And so what Jesus is telling us is happiness is more about becoming who God's created you to be than external circumstances, than outward accomplishments. It's more about allowing God to shape us and mold us into a person that reflects his kingdom. That's what true happiness is. That's the good life. Like, like think about this. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they will find mercy. Happy are the merciful for they will have mercy. Couldn't we use mercy in this world? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have family and friends and for ourselves to be merciful people? So often we think of happiness as getting something, and Jesus wants us to see happiness as becoming someone, becoming who we were meant to be. Well, you have lived a journey of discovery to this place, and 
the fact that you got to the place that so many dream of, but so few get to, you know, playing in the NFL for five seasons as you did, that alone tells us a good bit about the drive and the dedication that is within you. But did that really show up early? Was that sort of a central feature of your younger years? Uh, at about age 13 is when I figured out that hard work worked. Um, I was not a believer, didn't come from a believing family. And once I bought into, as a football player, hard work works. And if you study your playbook, if you're disciplined, if you're relentless in what you do, you can be really good. And so coming from my background, which was uh, a background of poverty, um, lots of brokenness, dysfunction, gang violence, um, football was my way out. And so football for me was like a savior, so to speak, because, you know, hey, man, if if I play good, if I perform good, I can get a scholarship. I can go to college. I can leave this place. Of course. And so, like, I'm the poster child of the American dream. Both of my parents were teenagers. Um, I shouldn't be here. The first wedding I went to was my own at 21. And so a work ethic was ingrained into me that hard work works. But then here's the problem, though. By my third year in the NFL, I've got the girl, I've got the money, I've got the fame, I've got the status, but here's what I don't have. I don't have the ability to love my wife the way she deserves to be loved. I don't have the ability to forgive my father for abandoning me. I don't have the ability to forgive myself for the things that I had done. And then um, when you start getting injured in the NFL, you know that your career is coming to an end, and I live with fear of, who would I be if I wasn't a football player? And so thank God when I got drafted by the Colts, I had a teammate. His name is Steve Grant. His nickname was the Naked Preacher. And every day after practice, he'd take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist, and get his Bible and share Christ. Huh. And over a five-year period, uh, his faithfulness to Jesus and his words about Jesus' faithfulness to us through his cross and resurrection on August 2nd, 1997, fifth year in the NFL, training camp, Anderson, Indiana at Anderson College. I called my wife on the phone and I said, I want to be more committed to you and I want to be committed to Jesus. And that's when I was born again. I literally felt the change. I really felt God's love. And I have loved him every day since then because he first loved me. And that really began my quest to understanding that happiness is more about who God is making us to be than what we accomplish or what we acquire. Dr. Derwin Gray is with us today on Faith Radio's On the Road. He's the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church in North Carolina. He played five years in the NFL and authors the new book, The Good Life. Before we dig into all the great, the great wisdom and the great message that you have for us here, Drilling down on that narrative that you just described so well, when you come to the point where you realize that all of this incredible hard work, this incredible preparation to become a professional athlete, the elite of the elite, when you first begin to realize that it is, it is not perhaps everything that you hoped it would be, that, that that good life wasn't everything that you hoped, I mean, just how much of a surprise was that? It was, it was absolutely devastating. To use a philosopher's term, it was an existential crisis because 
everything in my experience said, this is what's going to make you happy. Like, this is the good life. And now that I look back, it kind of reminds me of like zombies. Uh, I'm a big fan of like The Walking Dead or I used to be. I don't watch as much anymore. But what's a zombie? A zombie is a living dead thing. And so it's hard for us to appreciate things when we're spiritually dead. And so the reality is football was not bad. Money was not bad. Fame was not bad. That wasn't the problem. The problem was my heart was spiritually dead and I was looking to those things to make me alive instead of the one who rose from the dead and who is eternally alive named Jesus. That's amazing stuff. I, I wonder too, I mean, the fact that you were open, we hear so many of these stories where God puts someone in someone's life, but the fact that you were experiencing that sense of there's something more and still searching for something, I mean, that, as you look back, that's really God opening you up to be able to receive the message that was right there. Absolutely. And, and that's, and that's the beauty of our Lord is that he's got a tailor-made invitation for all of us, that God is orchestrating and weaving moments that we can't even comprehend or understand to open our hearts and our minds, that God literally gave me everything I wanted to show me that I still needed his son. And that's my story. And everybody else has a story, but in the midst of that story, the Beatitudes, the good life, the life of happiness is available to us all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's at the heart of this book. You really do call us to look at Jesus teaching there in the Beatitudes. When we begin to make that discovery, that journey, what do we find there? Yeah, I, I you know, the first thing that I want people to find is I want them to hear Jesus afresh. And what I mean by, by that is this is, so my, my doctoral work is in the first century Second Temple Jewish understanding. And so I take people back to, Jewish, to Jesus's world in his context on his terms so that we can see him and, and hear him. It's like we're, we're sitting at his feet like the disciples were on the Sermon of the Mount when he shared this story looking over the Sea of Galilee, the first thing is I want people to go, wow, I never knew Jesus was this amazing. Um, I have a concern that a lot of times we actually don't worship Jesus. We, we want to use Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, come sit at my feet. Um, I want intimacy with you. Intimacy means into me you see. And God calls us to sit at his feet by grace. Um, often we understand that we don't measure up, we're not good enough, and so we try hard, try hard, try hard. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's not enough trying in the world. You can't come to me, but I can come to you. That's what grace is. Grace is God saying, I'm going to meet you where you are, right in the middle of your mess. Wow. And I'm going to let my grace transform you into a masterpiece. You point to some of the ways that you believe that followers of Jesus even have misunderstood the Beatitudes before. Take us inside that. Why you think it's so important? Well, I think the first thing is, as believers, we, we don't really even read the Beatitudes. It's kind of like, well, yeah, I'm not interested in that. 
And literally, Jesus is saying, this is how to be happy. He describes eight characteristics of a good life that leads to happiness. Like, blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. Um, Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Um, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, so they will be filled. It's interesting. That word filled literally means to be gorged or to be stuffed. Now, unfortunately, I like food. I like to eat food, and I've experienced being gorged and filled. And Jesus is saying, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be happy and you will be full. Um, And I say this lovingly and respectfully, I think for most Christians, we don't pray for God, I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We pray for God, I want this job, will you pay this bill, will you help this person or not feeling well, God, I'm going through this. And it's, no, no, God is is going, no, I am the answer. Want me, hunger for me, thirst for me. And here's what's cool. So, So Jesus, hungering and thirsting. Jesus is the living water, John 4.10. Jesus is the bread of life, John 6.35. Hunger for me. God will provide all the stuff that we need, not our greeds, but what we need. And what we need most is Jesus, the bread of life and the living water. Man, that is that is such good stuff. You know when the scripture references start flying, you know it's getting good, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, and, and I think that people are going to learn the Bible better and the gospel story better as a result of reading the good life. It's going to align us to his assignment. Oh, that's a great turn of phrase. I love that. Uh, Pastor Derwin Gray is with us, the good doctor, the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church in North Carolina. He also played five years in the National Football League and authors the new book, the good life. You only touched on just a couple of the Beatitudes there, but I couldn't help but think, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure yeah. in heart. These are, these are countercultural things, aren't they? Our culture values the fighters. Our culture values, I suppose you could say the pleasure seekers. These, these are not necessarily the things that we are pointed to in the search for happiness. Yeah, you know what's you know what's interesting? I often think that Jesus would come back being a peacemaker and he may not even be accepted in his own church. Um we 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 seem to be as American Christians, we want people to be fighters and tell it the way it is and tell them what's on your mind and there's Jesus saying, but I say to you, pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. Um, and Jesus tells us to love our enemies because our hearts were not created by him to contain hate and unforgiveness. And so we need to make Jesus great again. Not that he's not great. He's the greatest. We need to remember he is great. And so when you look at being a peacemaker, it's, it's understanding that, man, if it was not for Jesus and the cross, we would still remain enemies of God. But Jesus went to the cross for his enemies so that we could become family and friends. And now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Um, and what that means is this, is that we're to lead others to Christ, but also to be peacemakers on earth, peacemakers across political lines, peacemakers across racial ethnic lines, peacemakers across male female lines, peacemakers across um, class lines from rich, middle class and poor. Um, wherever Jesus went, the Prince of Peace, he went preaching peace and he displayed that peace and he calls us to be people of peace. And one of the ways that you can tell if you are his follower, if you belong to his father, you're a peacemaker. Jesus said it. I didn't. <laughs> oh man, that is convicting stuff. Thank you for that. And it really does flow from what you're talking about, but you say something that is quite thought provoking and and I don't think necessarily intuitive for a lot of us that quote happiness and holiness are two sides of the same coin. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, and that that might be one of my favorite phrases in the entire book is that when you look at the eight characteristics of the beatitude or the happy life, they actually reflect Jesus. And and, and so let's Let's look at some terms here. Happiness is not perpetually feeling good. Happiness is God making us good. And as God is making us good, we begin to reflect Jesus. So the word holy means first this, we are set apart for God's purposes, not our own. So when Jesus gave us a bloodbath, when Jesus rose from the dead, when Jesus invited us into his family, he said, now my father's business is yours. Second, Holy means this, that the blood of Jesus makes us pure and clean. We are forgiven. Um, We're blameless. Thirdly, holiness reflects loving God, loving self, and loving your neighbor. That's what it means to be a human being. So the Beatitudes actually make us more human, which means we are happy and holy. So holiness and happiness are two sides of the same coin. Uh, nearly 1,800 years ago, an early church father by the name of Irenaeus said this, God is most glorified when man is satisfied in God. Hmm. And when man is satisfied in God, God is glorified in man. So happiness and holiness are the same thing, that when we are happy in God, we reflect his holiness. When we are holy because of God, we will be happy. Well, we are talking with the man who is providing some incredible truth today, some wisdom. Dr. Derwin Gray is the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church just outside beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. He played five years in the National Football League and authors the new book, The Good Life. Now, I can't really resist asking this because it's on all of our minds. You know, a time like what we're going through right now is really interesting in the context of a message like yours, because this pandemic has really put so many of our quests for the good life on hold entirely. Do you think that might be an opportunity for us in a way? Absolutely. I think that what's happening right now, the image that I kind of see in my mind is we have built our lives on sandcastles and this big wave called coronavirus, COVID-19 just came and just knocked our sandcastles down. And we're finding ourselves dazed, confused, grieving, scared. 
And I think we're asking, man, I want to build my life on the rock so that when the wind and the rains and the storms come, my house of faith won't fall down. I think that COVID-19 is revealing some of the idols that we've been worshiping instead of trusting Jesus. And so, um, you know, I think the Lord has given us a divine reset to really see where our allegiances and our loyalties really lie because so much of what we put our trust in has been stripped away. Um, you know, the American economy was booming and that's gone. Uh, unemployment, like 30 million people, boom. Uh, since March, 70,000 Americans have died of coronavirus, 70,000 in two months. I mean, healthcare workers and hospitals are just ravaged. And uh, man, COVID is hitting the poor and minority communities extremely hard. And I think everybody's taking a step back and saying, okay, okay, how much joy do I have now that so much has been taken away? Was my happiness in what I had or is my happiness in Jesus who has me? And so I think the good life could not have been written at a more opportune time. Um, I think that the good life without a doubt um, has the capacity and the power to reset people's lives, to really get a deeper and more beautiful understanding of happiness of Jesus. And then our happiness isn't predicated about on what happens to us, but what God is doing in us and through us. Wow. Well, thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, we have just a couple minutes left uh, with Dr. Derwin Gray today. The book once again is called The Good Life. And sir, before we say anything else, where is the best place to start the journey of picking up a copy of the book and learning more about you and, and all the ministry that you do? I know you're a podcaster as well, sir. Yeah, yeah. So I would say go to thegoodlifebook.net, thegoodlifebook.net, and uh, you can pick up the book there. Also, um, you can go to transformationchurch.tc, transformationchurch.t as in Tom, C as in Cat, and you can check out my sermons. But I really want to encourage everybody to go to thegoodlifebook.net, order your copy, order one for your friends. There's a Bible study that go along with it as well. I want to start a good life happiness movement. I want people to be happy in God and reflect the God that loves them. Yeah. Well, and this is a great, great first step. This book, it really, it really does lift you up and open your eyes in a lot of fresh ways. So thank you so much for writing and thank you for, for being with us. But in just, just as a final question, I mean, there is so much wisdom here. What are a couple things, maybe one or two things that you think we could start doing today, tomorrow to experience this refreshed, true version of the good life in our daily life? Yeah. You know, the, the first thing is this, is we have to have our minds transformed and renewed. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of, of your minds. We have to ask the Holy Spirit, re- reveal to me what Jesus says is the good life and read through Matthew chapter five, verses three through 12. One of the things that I do in the book is at the end of every chapter, I have a section called marinate on this. That's a prayer, six study questions, six things to remember. Then at the end of the book, I have what's called the 
uh, happiness manifesto where it's a daily affirmation that you speak words of life and encouragement over yourself. And then I have a 30 day challenge where a 30 day happiness challenge where you read the, uh, Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. And, and so what I want to do is I want to inspire, I want to educate, and then give you practical tools to be able to embody this incredible message. Um, people say, you know, Pastor, why did you write this book? And I said, if I didn't write this book, it would be like stealing blessings from people. I had to write this book. Well, what a fantastic message. What a a blessing to talk with you, sir, especially, especially as you said, during the time that we're going through, it really was an encouragement and a blessing to have you here, sir. Dr. Derwin Gray, the book one more time called The Good Life. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. It's amazing.